This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for joining us once again for a pre-recorded interview, and it was an absolute delight to speak with Dr. Heather Gesling, which is coming up in a moment. She is a wife, a mom to three children uh, from Columbia, Missouri. She graduated from Oklahoma Christian University with a BS in biochemistry and went on to medical school and residency at the University of Missouri, Columbia. She is a board certified in family medicine through the American Board of Family Medicine. She was chief of staff at a hospital in Missouri for six years until the summer of 2021 when she opened up an independent practice. The pandemic opened her eyes to the corruption of the healthcare industry through government, corporate, and pharmaceutical company influences. She has led her fight for changes within the broken system and the fight for the sanctity of the physician-patient relationship. And she is now the Chief Operating Officer of the Chief Medical Board for the Wellness Company. And we had a, a great conversation looking at her background, why she was forced to step down as Chief of Staff of that hospital, um, and how those conversations went with those within her profession whenever she questioned the line that was given to medical professions on the vaccine, talked about the wellness company and how that's a, a parallel system of providing health care for the public that doesn't rely on big pharma, but actually looks at the problem and how to affect that. Um, and then we looked at some of the products they have, the wellness company, and also the latest information coming out from, I think, Senator Ron Johnson had that COVID-19 panel and had many experts and that information coming out to the public and how the public is beginning to, I guess, waken up to the COVID jab being pushed on the population, especially on children. So all the links are in the description. Uh, enjoy my interview with Dr. Heather Gessling. And it's absolutely wonderful to have Dr. Heather Gesling with us today. Dr. Gesling, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Glad to be on. Great to be on. And anyone who is on the board of a company that Peter McCulloch, who's a previous guest, it's an absolute delight and honor to, to have you with us. And if I can just mention to our viewers and listeners, as it'll be on a podcast, as we are doing this as a pre-record, twc.health is the wellness company. That's where you can go directly to the website. All the links will be in the description. So however you're watching or listening, everything is there. And you can also go to at H Gesling, which is Dr. Gesling's personal uh, Twitter profile. So you can find her there. Again, all the links are in the description. So you can click and follow her and follow the wellness company. Now, Dr. Gesling, it's... Uh, I think I watched a number of your videos. I, I followed um, your social media profiles, um, mm -hmm. as we have a lot of people. And I think you were uh, someone who seems to have some sanity and understanding <laughs> of what has been happening. But um, you, I think just for our viewers, you voiced concerns about the, the COVID vaccine. Um, 
and were then asked to step down as I think the chief of staff of your hospital. Um, right. This was despite I think I've looked at and despite an extremely successful record of treating patients who had COVID. Do you want to mm. maybe that's a good place to start just to touch sure. on what that was like around that time and what happened? That's a good question. So a lot of things happened in July of 2021. It was, I, I look back on that July, August of 2021, and it was really a dark time. I mean, I, I felt, you know, like where, how, when are things going to get better? It felt so oppressive. I had, um, I had an incredible amount of sick patients and treating them, you know, all successfully. My first um, death of a patient that died of COVID happened in August of 2021, or maybe it was the very end of July. Um, and before that, I had gone, you know, a year and a half of taking care of an extraordinary amount of patients. And um, I had several ancillary providers, nurse practitioners, PA, they were all under me. They were all taking care of patients and doing, you know, what I had recommended. And we hadn't had any deaths between multiple, among multiple providers. So, um, but what happened in July was um, my hospital um, had this, this patient um, was admitted and my hospital wasn't really um, receptive to what I was recommending on how that patient should be treated. Mm. Um, and so for the first time, I started feeling pushback from my hospital you know, they had, none of the providers had really asked me, um, where my success was, how I was having such great success. And I, you know, during, during staff meetings and stuff, tried to convey to them what I was doing. And I would just get blank stares. I, I, they would, they would have no interest in hearing, you know, because it wasn't, it wasn't what they were being told by anybody else. So, you know, before with my hospital, I mean, I've been chief of staff for six years. I had, I felt like I had respect among the providers. I had, I've had respect among administration and felt like I had done a good job leading. But when it came to this, this situation where I was falling outside of the mainstream and it sounded like maybe I was um, a little quacky or, you know, talking about vitamins and nutrients and all these things are like, you know, not taking me seriously. But I noticed in July, things were really changing. And then after um, that patient died, I was asked to step down as chief of staff. And things felt so dark. And I had a feeling it was going to happen where we were going to be mandated to do the vaccine. And I, so I started making plans. I started figuring out what I was going to do to for my, you know, career for my family. And and then so in August, I was um, I had stepped down as chief of staff and I was terminated for not doing the vaccine or the testing. And but, you know, amazingly, God provides. And I just had a path. It was just an, a beautiful, beautiful path of people surrounding me and helping me. And I was able to open up a direct primary care clinic early September. And, you know, uh, the other amazing thing about all of that timing is that I was able to join with a group of physicians, Dr. Cole, Dr. Urso, Dr. Malone, and we started putting together summits. And because of the fact that I was no longer with that hospital and employed and, you know, sort of in the constraints of a 
of a you know work week, I was able to do a lot of other things that I wasn't able to do before as far as education and these um, events. And so it was it was um, it was an amazing um, sequence of events that led me into this world that I'm in now where I'm free and free care of patients. I'm like I see fit, not, you know, don't have to worry about um, insurance or hospital administration over me. So even though it was dark when all of that stuff was happening, things are so much better now. Tell us, because in the UK, um, the the normal thing is you just go and see your your local doctor, and then they refer you on, or you go to a hospital. Um, oh, that thinking is beginning to change with now many people. What, what, what's the situation in the US? Because you, I guess, trust your. Uh, your local hospital, your local doctor, uh, to do the right thing, but you're now not part of that. You're part of something. That, I mean, tell us about that kind of journey for you, professionally and personally. I love talking about that. It just—it's so exciting. You know, there has been such an awakening among patients. They don't trust their local doctor anymore. They don't trust their hospital. Many are just doing. Um, everything they can not to go in you know you know for so for so long it was sort of the culture you know you do you know you do what your doctor tells you you do all of the right screenings you know if you have you know something that needs to be you know evaluated you go in and you get scopes and all this and it was just the norm people just you know it's sort of like their um day-to-day life it was also sort of like what they put their faith in now Patients are just waking up and seeing the overreach, seeing the mismanagement of medicine by these mainstream physicians and hospitals and administrators. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They absolutely do not want to walk into a hospital. They want to go to a doctor that they trust. Um, And so, yeah, I'm not part of a hospital system. I mean, I some of my patients have to use hospitals for imaging. Very rarely, they have to be admitted. Very, very, very rarely, they have to be admitted. Um, and so um, th- there's nothing sort of precluding my patients from using a hospital if they need it. I'm not hired by a hospital. Um, my patients um, are part of a membership-based clinic, direct primary care clinic. And I don't know if you guys have that um, in the UK, but it's it's basically... You don't use any insurance for the physician services. My membership-based practice um, covers uh, essentially unlimited visits with me. It's it's a very small monthly fee, very small, um, and it covers some you know medications. It covers some um, procedures, and um, and so it's it's a very affordable way to do things. If they need to have labs or imaging, testing, specialist care, then they do use their insurance for that. Um, but then, you know, they also just like to try and stick with, you know, my recommendations and my care as much as possible. That's the that's the patient population that comes to me. And that's right, because in the UK, we, we trust our National Health Service for better or for worse. Um, and then you have a small subsection society that have the means to pay for private health care, which mm-hmm. is normally extremely expensive um, mm-hmm. and well above. Now, that's the, the UK system. Um, but you're 
I, I've talked to some doctors in the UK and they're trying to provide something kind of in the middle that is yeah. available for the public, but not as the mm -hmm. exorbitant price of uh, private health care. So yeah. how does what you do kind of fit into that kind of spectrum to explain, I guess, to UK audience? Yeah, that's, that's, so that's a good question. So, you know, within the US, there's something called direct primary care. And then there's also concierge medicine. And so concierge medicine is a much higher cost. Essentially, what I do for my patients is concierge medicine, but I don't charge, you know, the 1500 US dollars a year that is typically concierge. I'll do like, you know, between 50 to 70 ish dollars from monthly membership. So it's it's much more affordable. And um, and and the they have access to me um, and in the US, I don't know how it is with your national health system, but in the US, if I see a patient, even if I'm not taking insurance for my services, I'm still able to order labs and imaging, and then it's able to get submitted through the patient's insurance. Although that's another conversation, a lot of that is sort of, people are waking up to that insurance system as well. So in the US, we have all of the commercial pay insurance, and then we have Medicare, Medicaid, um, and a lot of the commercial insurance systems since Obamacare came around in 2010 have exorbitant costs for premiums and all of that. And so people are sort of realizing that that's maybe not really beneficial to them to be in that insurance system. And they'd rather just like do healthcare savings account, pay cash for many things. You know, when they go in and they pay cash for labs and imaging a lot. And that's what I should you know sort of mention with regard to TWC is when you pay cash for some of these things a lot of times it's even cheaper than if you submitted through that contractual rate through insurance and then you get that high deductible cost so you know if you have a deductible of 2500 to 5000 a year and you do um, a, a, a lab panel um, that cost may be 2400 that is submitted to insurance and so then you'd be out of pocket for that because you have that deductible um, and so, and I don't know exactly how your, um, your national system works as far as deductibles and stuff, but in the U S this is where we're at, where patients are realizing maybe I just, maybe I just get it like a catastrophic plan and pay cash for everything else. And it ends up being more cost-effective with TWC. Um, we have some packages that would treat long haul COVID vaccine injury, and they have extensive lab panel in them. And the, the, a portion of that package is devoted to paying for that lab panel. And the package itself is, the, the cost is similar to what a lot of patients would have to pay just if they got labs submitted to their insurance and they had a deductible. So we get really afford, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> affordable costs on our labs. Um, you know, we, um, the patient pays us for it and we pay the company and it's very, very low cost compared to if they went and did labs and it gets submitted to their insurance. It's this game. It's this game that patients are waking up to and realizing maybe they just take out that third party, the insurance. Maybe it's lower cost if they just eliminate that third party. This is what we have found um, with regard to being able to take care of patients. When you eliminate that middleman, a lot more, um, it's a lot more cost effective and a lot less involvement. Then you don't have insurance saying, oh, well, I don't really think you need that lab. I don't really think that that diagnosis, 
you know, it, it justifies you getting that lab. You take out that whole middleman. Patients are a lot happier. It's a lot easier on physicians. This is what we've been talking about for so long. This whole insurance world has become so much red tape and paperwork and all of that. And being out of that system, it makes the, the joy of the job return. It feels so much better. Well, I, I will not bore you on UK where you go and see your doctor and you wait a long time. It could be months and we've seen cancer referral rates kind of off the scale uh, because supposedly COVID and people waiting months and months to see someone. But to, to that well, aside... There's I, other reasons for probably the cancer... Um, <laughs> the, the, there are, and we can touch on that. I, I want to ask you about, so you're the COO of um, the Chief Medical Board of the yeah. Wellness Company, uh, TWC, yeah. you're the owner of, of Gesling Family Wellness. Um, mm -hmm. Can you maybe just tell us your your story of how you got involved with the wellness company and sure. then kind of second step on that, what exactly the wellness company is? Absolutely, I'd love to. So, you know, with this, um, this increase in need for telling the truth about COVID, early outpatient treatment, the vaccines, there was a network, there's been a network of physicians that have sort of risen, you know, um, that have come out of that need. Um, and so this network of physicians um, includes Dr. McCullough, Dr. Richard Amerling, Dr. Harvey Risch, um, and we were wanting to um, build a, tele, a national telehealth service to be able to give patients what they need as far as um, unbiased care, to be able to, you know, if you get COVID, you need to be able to get access to those medicines that help. Um, and so we, we recognize that need. And um, we joined forces with, um, with a, a telehealth company that was sort of already doing that. And then also Foster Colson, who is CEO of the company Entrepreneur, um, to be able to build this company that provides patients with access to physicians that will provide them with unbiased care. Um, and so the, um, uh, we also have Dr. Jen Vanderwater, who is our PharmD, and she helps lead up our Freedom from Pharma program. Basically, our goal is to rely less and less on pharmaceuticals. Of course, we do have pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals that we know are helpful in in um, in COVID, which you know that information was censored. It's been actually censored for a long time. All of these years that we were told there's nothing you can do for a cold. That's that's ridiculous and that's a lie. I mean, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine can work against these RNA viruses, which also includes RSV and influenza. Um, and so basically um, our goal is to be able to get patients off of pharmaceuticals unless they're necessary. Patients are on too many pharmaceuticals um, and it, it really affects their health long-term. Chronic conditions need to be reversed, not just treated. That's our goal to be able to help that situation. We have provided, we have, um, so many happy patients that have went through that program and they're just feeling so much better and able to, you know, really um, become free from relying on pharmaceuticals. Um, you know, they take their health into their own hands. This is what we really like to educate patients on is taking their health into their own hands. Um, and we also have Dr. Janice Schmidt, who's our naturopathic director and um, helps with um, education 
on all of the different things that supplements, nutraceuticals can do for us. <clears throat> and this is the focus of our company to be able to treat patients the right way. I mean, what we what we have gone down, what we have, the road we've gone down in medicine is so wrong, right? Just throwing a medicine at every single problem instead of trying to restore health. Well, I, I think in the UK, we look at the American think your solution for a problem is another pill. And probably right. we're getting to the same stage in, in the UK. And I've, I've uh, a number of American friends, and I'm surprised at the amount of medication uh, that they take. But what you're talking about seems to be a, a different approach of, I guess, getting away from that uh, within the clutches of big pharma and actually mm -hmm. trying to fix the problem. Is, is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us how, what has that been like, because obviously you as a, a, someone in the medical profession, I guess you have a relationship, hospitals, doctors have a relationship with big pharma, they yeah. provide drugs and that fixes the problem and that's it. And mm -hmm. no one actually looks behind that curtain of understanding what the symptoms are and how you actually fix them. Um, I mean, tell us what that's been like for you as someone within the profession and trying to move away from that, whether well, it's a pill for that, to actually we want to delve deeper and try and fix the problem. I love this question. Um, man, you know, it is it has been an interesting um, road to navigate where for my patients who are also seeing specialists, and these specialists are telling them, you know, to do this, this, and this. Yeah. I had, I saw a patient this morning. I just, I couldn't believe it. I was just astounded at the overprescribing that her cardiologist did. Put her on much too high a dose of blood pressure medicine, and then added another blood pressure medicine on top of that before even seeing what the other dose change was going to do for her blood pressure medicine. She said that uh, i mean excuse me for her blood pressure readings she said that she was running in the like 70s for her blood pressure for the top number she was exhausted and fatigued i was like this is so nuts i mean why why you know over prescribed to such an extensive level but she um you know she just doesn't want to do what they tell her to do and so navigating like you know when i recommend things to patients navigating what that specialist then sort of um the this i don't know what word to describe it as respect does he you know does he continue to see me as a worthy colleague you know does he then dismiss me i've even had a patient that i got a consult note back and that and then and the nephrologist said basically told the patient don't do what your primary care is telling you to do because she doesn't follow mainstream medical science this is what he said in his note to the patient um and so navigating with these specialists navigating with the hospital system and i i you know develop i had a patient tell me oh the university doesn't like you you know the, developing this reputation um for not not following that agenda and so then because i'm not following the agenda i'm automatically sort of seen or dismissed as somebody who you know deserves the respect as an md in this community um which is really going through that that was that was another thing that i was going through that summer of 2021 is you know even sort of feeling like wow everything is changing i've never felt this way 
in my life where I'm not, where I, I feel like an outsider. Like I feel like, you know, people are going to, colleagues are going to see me differently, but it's, but I've never, never based my decisions on that. It's always for the patient, always for the patient, what is right for the patient, not based off of my, I don't base any of my decisions on keeping my job, my reputation, any of that. Um, and so whenever we have these situations where a patient doesn't want to follow what the specialist is saying, understands what either I'm saying, understands that these meds are making them feel bad, they have to navigate. Yeah. They have to navigate how they're going to talk to their specialist. Isn't that crazy? They're scared. They're scared to tell their specialist, I don't want to take that statin. They're scared to tell their specialist, I don't, I feel like I have too much blood pressure medicine. They're scared, which is crazy. So I, you know, I empower them. I make them, you know, understand that this is, this is their life. They don't need to make their specialist happy. This is also the same situation that parents are um, undergoing when they don't want to go and follow the mainstream vaccine agenda. They're scared and they're scared that they're going to have, um, you know, our, um, children's services called on them, or they're scared that they're going to have, you know, a physician um, speak ill of them in a note, or, you know, that, that it's going to change things for them. And it's their, their fear is founded and, um, and legitimate because of all the things that are happening. So I, I encourage patients and parents, you know, to stand strong, Whenever you push back against those bullies, they'll back down. Tell us, because I saw one of your pinned tweet, I think, which was back from 6th of August, 2022. And let me refer to it or read it. Um, and it said, want to know what I'm experiencing on the front lines of medicines. Parents are done with giving their kids any and all vaccines. Not only that, but they're disgusted with what they had already allowed to be injected into their kids. They wish they could turn back time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, a massive, I mean, as uh, as a parent, two children, uh, and this was a conversation we had in our household, as people all across the world have had in their household, um, and we choose to hold off, and there's no rush for anything, because there's no need for getting that uh, medical intervention. Uh, yeah. And you were highlighting this. Tell us about that, because the rush to jab children, I think, was a, a massive kind of red light and alarm in my head. I think many others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the incredible increase in the amount of recommended um, injections in children um, is fine. People are finally waking up. Wait a second. This is out of control. Do we even know that all of these are okay to be taken together? Do we even know the cumulative effects? Do we even know how much aluminum or aluminum alloy is given when you give six or seven at a time? You know, I, I think it was um, the actual, I think it was the World Health Organization in 2021 had a, had a um, conference that basically um, they admitted that they haven't studied all of these vaccines together. And so, you know, we all, we say, oh, they're just safe and effective. And so if each individual one is safe and effective, then cumulatively, cumulatively they're still safe and effective, which that's ridiculous, um, you know, to just extrapolate that. 
also um, a, a book that I um, started reading, Turtles All the Way Down, by these Israeli doctors, you know, our whole sort of basis of safety is all relative. We're not, you know, we're not studying them with true placebo. Um, I've been watching this deposition of Dr. Catherine, uh, her last name escapes me, sort of the godmother of vaccines on the high wire. And it is astounding the um, the discussion um, between Aaron Siri and the attorney for ICANN, which is part of the Highwire um, organization, and this physician, she does not know. She does not know that aluminum can create, you know, true inflammation in the brain, and that animal studies are showing that aluminum does accumulate in the brain. It increases IL-6. She doesn't know these things. And so parents have been saying for years, my children were different after receiving either one vaccine or a group of vaccines. And they've been ignored. They've been, they've had, you know, been gaslit to, you know, believe that it's not what they think it is, you know, that there is really something else going on. They're calling it a prenatal event. All of these things are tragic, tragic for parents, you know, so I highly encourage parents. It's their decision. It's their children um, to research into the safety of those things. I haven't got to reading Turtles all the way, Dawn. I have seen lots of references for it. And certainly for our viewers or half are probably... 60% UK, 30% US and elsewhere. And mm -hmm. it's available there, whether you're in the UK or US. But can I Make ask sure you not what... to get the fiction book. Make sure not to buy the fiction book because no, there's no, a fiction no. book with the same name. Yeah, you got to get the one that has the foreword by Mary Holland, just for yeah. your, your listeners. When when this interview is out, we will have it on our social media. So it is posted yeah. there along with the interview. So people make yeah. sure and they get the, the right book. But what was your response from, I guess, those in the medical community whenever you raise concerns at the rush to vaccinate, especially vaccinating children? Um, wow. Because I've talked to many doctors in the UK and that was their red line. And that was mm -hmm. when they started asking questions. Um, mm -hmm. what, what was it like for you in the States whenever you started asking these questions? Yeah, well, at least your doctors had the red line of children. You know, ours well, did. Only some. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, ours ours have essentially seemed to have no red line. It's like they just whatever. Um, and so I started. Um, I realized it very very early. I don't know January February of 2021 that I did not know if I wanted to recommend this to my patients. And this is what I was telling them in January of 2021 February that we don't know enough. I can't give you informed consent. I can't tell you what the risks are. I cannot tell you if it's even gonna benefit you. I can't tell you what it's gonna do to you long-term. I just don't, nobody knows. So um, so basically I was um, uncomfortable with um, the um, lack of safety data from the very beginning. And we, we could see from the VAERS data that there was big safety signals very, very early on. Um, and so, I um I had patients that were the, the my I had patients that were just you know flabbergasted that I wouldn't just be rushing to recommend it and I had you know administrators that were very upset that I was not rushing to recommend it um and so 
it was it was early on that I realized this is man, this is going to get crazy. This is going to get crazy. And I had a feeling it was going to, you know, start getting mandated and all of that. So, you know, the thing about this whole COVID experience is that we know now to question everything. We also have new networks of physicians, you know, in the worldwide community that we know are awake and we can, you know, be scientific the way it's supposed to be, where we talk about each other, or excuse me, talk to each other about new concerns or new treatments, or, you know, we have email threads and signal threads where we're all bouncing things off of each other, doing medicine the way it's supposed to be doing, be done from the bottom down where we're seeing things on, you know, the um, day-to-day level and not, and we're treating patients accordingly, not just from top down where the government is saying, you follow these protocols and you follow these standards, do not deviate. And, you know, so this is one of the good things that I'm so glad has happened over the last few years is this awakening and re-networking and doing medicine right. Um, I mean, here in the UK, a lot of people are, I guess, afraid even of what our governments are pushing and what our regulatory authorities are doing to public. And each country has its own separate regulatory system. Um, And that is the case, I think, for the public. But also the second part, I know I've talked to doctors who have had to fight tooth and nail to keep, uh, I I guess, to, to keep the ability to carry out doing what they're doing in the medical world because the regulatory authorities want to strip them of that ability. Um, Tell us what's been like in the the US, I guess, regarding the public's response to those regulatory authorities and then those in the medical field who choose to question things, um, what battle they have had with the authorities? Yeah, that's another great question. So, you know, patients are the citizens, the population, I think, is waking up and realizing they don't want to trust anything yep. Yep. from the CDC, FDA, and I, you know, um, NIH. They, excuse me, um, uh, FDA and CDC. Um, um, there's another. There's another one. I feel like I've said wrong. NIH is just National Institutes of Health, and they support research. But um, so they know that if, with regard to governmental agencies, they've lost trust and. They, um, of course, I said earlier, they've lost trust in most of their physicians as well with regard to physicians standing up or sort of being willing to go outside that mainstream narrative. Some states are, of course, nicer than others. So I live in the state of Missouri and we have a great attorney general who worked to protect physicians with regard to um, prescribing the medications that work for covid um, so I feel, and, and we have a great, this, the attorney general that we have is quite the bulldog in sort of pushing back against the mainstream liberal agenda. Um, but other states are not friendly. You know, California is, is completely antiquated and you can't even have freedom of speech anymore to, to have a second opinion on how things work or the safety of, of items, um, medical procedures, like you said. And so each state is different. I feel like people are realizing in droves, you know, that certain states are no longer safe to live in and they're moving to more free states. 
Um, it's the same way for physicians. You know, they understand if they have a license in certain states that their hands are just potentially tied. You know, either they have to risk their license if they continue yeah. to practice how they see fit in that state or they have to go to another state. I mean, how does that, does that mean that people need to travel within the U.S. to receive proper health care? I mean, uh, we've we've seen the political split massively in, in the U.S., um, and the two times I've been to L.A. last year, the only two times I've understand why I didn't want to go to L.A. before. Uh, but is it a case of actually, depending on where you live, then that will mean you get access to health care, which actually looks at the whole picture, not just what big farmer are pushing them? Yeah, I mean, I think that you just have to find a good doctor. You just You just have to find somebody who's willing to treat patients correctly. So TWC.health has access to physicians for acute care visits, telehealth visits, um, and you can trust those doctors. And then we also have packages like a wellness package to make sure you're on track metabolically, nutrient levels, and then we can treat long haul COVID and vaccine injury. Um, for, you know, we're going to expand into more of a primary care offering. You can also DPC Frontier, which is direct primary care, DPC, or direct patient care, dpcfrontier.com. For the U.S., you can find access to physicians that have left the sort of corporate um, insurance world and they just see patients for cash. Um, and the Rorton Clinic is another um, national clinic that I have really come to respect, and they use mostly, um, they use good uh, scientific medicine and a lot of it is natural based for lots of conditions, including cancer. Um, I just, another, uh, a patient of mine just uh, established with them last week for her cancer and she has not really followed the mainstream um, treatment because she didn't want to. Um, and so patient, patients need options. Um, but being able to get access to care um, is a question that is is it's not totally easily answered it's a developing sort of parallel system right now um and twc hopes to be a big part of that to be able to you know expand potentially to you know brick and mortar and primary care right now we have the acute care visits and, and those packages to treat long-haul covid and vaccine injury and we also have a, an amazing supplement um sort of vertical of our company line and multiple proprietary formulations that um, we have um, developed to target, mm -hmm. like detoxing from the vaccine. We have spike recovery, um, some natural ways to treat blood sugar and diabetes uh, or help with that. Um, mitochondrial support, Dr. McCullough's formula, um, and also a formula that Dr. McCullough has been using for a long time to um, promote healthy heart function, um, especially those that have had injury from the vaccine or this myocarditis, um, potential myocarditis. And so we also have an amazing sleep formula that's all natural, not based on melatonin. Um, so anyway, what we're trying to do is, is provide good care not rely on pharmaceuticals and restore health. What you're kind of describing seems to be a, a two-track system. One, which is kind of approved by 
the system and the system can mean anything. And another way, which is alternative. And I think the alternative method uh, uh, prior to COVID, I probably viewed with a little bit of suspicion. And now I'm thinking, well, that seems to be a better way that isn't connected to the financial system of Big Pharma. Um, And what you're doing with TWC seems to be that second track to providing a, a separate parallel system. Yeah, so sort of traditional and also sort of, you know, this more naturalistic way of doing things. And I think that there's, I think that's a good, um, a, a good balance yeah. Um, yeah. because you don't throw everything out that, you know, medicine has, has provided for us. You just, you have to figure out what is best for you to restore your health not stay in this system of treating chronic disease. Almost every disease can be reversed. Um, You have to have good nutritional support. Your cells have to be able to function efficiently. You have to reduce stress and get good sleep, reduce toxicities. All of this is crucial. You know, and I've, I've, you know, over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years of, of practice, I've understood that not like I do now. I mean, now I understand that that is the the foundation, right? Not just this fringe periphery, you know, oh, eat healthy, all of that. Now I understand that we've been poisoned. I mean, we've been poisoned with our food, poisoned with um, pharmaceuticals, poisoned with um, electromagnetic radiation, poisoned with, you know, all of these things are making us so, so sick. So we have to restore balance. Um, and, you know, there's so much truth to um, basically uh, the mind-body connection and, and really about how much emotions and stress and love versus like hate affect our health. It's such, it's so fascinating all of the things that I've learned with regard to that. And I would have thought that was pretty much quackery five years ago. I don't think that anymore. <laughs> well, because that that's the change which I've seen personally. And you're obviously explaining that from a, a medical point of view, where where you are not where you are now and how you see the system is quite different from at the beginning of your medical career. And that's been yes. a, a life-changing journey for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And I'm like, I felt like I was one of the ones in my residency that really was like evidence-based medicine. Like I knew from the very beginning, I didn't want to have anything to do with people telling me high up how I was supposed to treat patients and sort of follow this program, this protocol. I knew that I didn't like that. And so I've always been about the patient, but I was still very mainstream, you know, like I, I look back on conversations I had with parents about vaccines and I wish I could just turn back time on that and be able to say, no, you're right. You are, you are probably more educated about these things than I am. That's what I, that's what I should, I should have listened more. I'd listen a lot now, you know, I learned so much from patients. Um, You know, it's so fun to have that interaction, not that paternalistic interaction where I know best and, you know, they need to listen to me, which is so prevalent in the mainstream system. Um, but I learn from patients. They teach me. I teach them. It's a relationship in restoring our health. Um, 
one one question just to finish with. Uh, I've certainly watched on this side of the Atlantic the uh, the different, I guess, COVID panels. Um, mm-hmm. I think Senator Ron Johnson had one recently, and wow. I've seen a number of them. And the the evidence that's presented there is shocking. Um, mm-hmm. And I follow this closely. Um, what, what are and that's coming from a, a member of the public? What are your thoughts as a, a medical professional as you've seen that data come out about the the side effects, the adverse reactions to yeah. the COVID jab? Yeah, I mean it's heartbreaking, really. It's also astounding that it's so easy to identify. It's so easy for patients citizens, the population, when they start looking at it to identify, but it's incredibly hard. It's like the physician in the mainstream medical community have scales over their eyes. They, they, it's literally like they have scales. They cannot Mm -hmm. see it. And so it's, it's basically where you, it's hard to penetrate. It's really hard to penetrate. I mean, we try, those of us that are awake, try to penetrate the medical community and tell them, wake up, wake up, wake up. You, you know, neurologists, cardiologists, all of these that are seeing all of these injuries day in and day out, they still refuse to connect the dots. The, do- the dots are so close together, but they're still not connecting them. It's like you can see the picture without even drawing a line. There's so many dots, but you... I don't know. It's it's tragic, honestly. I, it's hard to know what is actually going to be the event. What what is going to be the event that changes their um, experience? And, you know, for Mahotra, it was that his father died. You know, mm. um, and so this is something that I said about a year ago when I was interviewed. I said it's almost like they have to have a personal experience to finally yeah. wake up. Yeah, I've seen that on many. Um, one of our previous guests, Alex Newman, puts that up that his father died very quickly after getting the vaccine, and then it is one of those personal circumstances which uh, which makes you question. So you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, can can I just just as we finish, mention ask our those of you watching in the US, um, do you just want to mention what people can get if they go on to the wellness company website, TWT.health? They can yeah. sign up, they can become a member. There are different health products available. Um, just mention that as we finish, I think, so people to be able to go and make use of what's yeah. available there. Thank you for allowing me that opportunity. So you can get um uh i would suggest um, the membership is only ten dollars 9.99 a month um and so it provides discounts for all of the services and all of the products um and um we also have newsletter to sign up for and that's free um and we have those physician services that i mentioned earlier we also have our book the next wave is brave. You can get that through our website or you can get it online at a lot of other places and um, all of the common places. Um, but we also have the uh, many, many essential daily vitamins and also those formulations that I discussed earlier. Um, and so uh, what we what we hope is to provide easy access. We don't have it. You can you can buy our supplements if you're in the UK. We hope to expand to be able to do physician services to other countries. We don't have that quite yet. Um, so, yeah. 
I will keep my eyes open for that because I'm extremely, I've talked to so many doctors um, and for the UK, we're looking for a, a solution. And I think what's happened in the States uh, hasn't developed as advanced in the UK yet. So as always, we're looking to you guys over across the Atlantic to how you're developing the response to what we've seen. Um, mm. And I hope that develops in the UK here. Yeah, yeah me too. Me too. Um, Dr. Kessling, thank you so much for your time. It has been wonderful to actually delve into uh, the wellness company to see what you're doing. Um, and you're very much part of it on the, the, the medical board there. So thank you for coming along, sharing your medical experiences and also sharing about the wellness company. Thank you. Thank you. Great talking to you. Great to have you. Let me just finish off with our viewers. Thank you for watching. Do make use of the resources, either the Wellness Company website uh, and Dr. Gesling's social media handle there on Twitter. Make use of all of those. All the links are in the description, whether you're watching or listening to the podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I wish our viewers and listeners a wonderful rest of your day. And we will see you for the next interview. So thank you and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.